Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this week's episode of the Impact Sessions, I interviewed Katie Thompson from Katie Lingo, talking about all things to do with written content and the power of the written word and how to create impact in your business through the prose that you create. Great podcast, enjoy. On this episode of Impact Sessions, I'm absolutely delighted to have as my guest, Katie Thompson. Katie is Managing Director of a company called Katie Lingo. Uh, I've known Katie for some time, and um, we've entitled this podcast, The Pen is Mightier Than the Sword. So first of all, Katie, first time ever as a podcast guest. Indeed. I'll be nice to you, hopefully. Thank um, you. <laughs> enjoy the podcast, and welcome to the Impact Sessions. Thank you very much. It's been too long. It has been too long, but let's see if we can reacquaint ourselves, but also inspire some of the listeners with a... You know, a few ideas around um, kind of language and copyright and all those kind of uh, areas that people seem to get wrong when it comes to content. So sure. I've got a, a number of questions I'd like to run through and just gives a bit of structure, but let's just see where we go to, Katie. So okay. I'll say welcome to the Impact Sessions. Okay. Let's start with your business, Katie Lingo. So obviously the lingo references about language. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think language is so important in terms of business communication, the actual language piece itself. Yeah, um, I mean, Katie Lingo in itself, uh, for starters, that was the only domain name available, so I just <laughs> kind of went with it. Uh, I did a linguistics degree, and I thought, well, that's memorable. And that's good. You're going to rank for it, you know. No one else is called Katie Lingo, as far as I'm aware. Well, what I would say is, on, on the likes <laughs> of LinkedIn, you're easy to find. Uh, yeah. And, and, and memorable <laughs> for some of your content. So I think yeah. Katie, Katie Lingo is a good shout. Yeah, yeah. You know, a bit of a blag there. But um, yeah, in terms of why... Um, so are you just talking from sort of a marketing perspective yeah. or just in general? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, your brand, whatever you're putting out there, whether it's your website or a magazine or any kind of publication with the written word, that is your shop window, if Mm. you will. Um, So if I'm looking at your brand, I'm trying to get to know you. If the first thing I see, if it's littered with spelling errors and grammar errors, um, you've immediately lost credibility with me Mm. um, from that first second. Um, And it makes me think, well, now... Um, you've lost my trust. Mm. Um, how can I trust you to provide your product or service if you don't pay, you know, attention to detail with spelling grammar? So that's mm. one thing. Um, another thing I think is really important is tone of voice. Um, it's really an, it's really hard to infer tone um, over the written word. So you've got to really make sure that you hear that a right. lot, don't you? Yeah. You hear people saying, you know, I'm I'm trying to create a brand and I'm trying to create... And a lot of people think brand is to do with, you know, the, the visual side of things yeah. and whatever. But I hear the phrase tone of voice mm-hmm. quite a lot. So what does tone yeah. of voice actually mean to a business? Then what, how would I find or see a tone of voice? What, what would be the, de- the demonstration of that? Um, I think it depends. First of all, you've really got to decide who your audience are. And I think a lot of people, there's almost a lack of self-awareness there, actually. right? Mm. Who are we and who are we actually trying to talk to? Um, one agency that um, sort of I'm developing a bit of a relationship with now um, called Lazenby Brown in York. Oh, yeah. You may have heard of them. Uh-huh. They have really lovely um, kind of branding experts 
exercise when they first get a client in um they i think it's called like the 101 different personality types and there's all you know you could be a i don't know a warrior or whatever yeah. that may or may not be one don't quote me on yes, that yeah, yeah. um but it's all based on your sort of individual values um and not just you as a company but i think as you um you know what are you passionate about so um i think it's about making that come across and again looking to your audience and what kind of industry you're in like how formal does it need to be mm. is it a bit more chatty but um it's about getting that balance i think so okay. it's about self-awareness as much as it is about understanding your customer as well and you helped people to find that tone of voice as part of katie lingo yeah then? i think so Pe- people people can get too inside their heads and they know exactly what it is they want <clears throat> in here yeah. but it's getting that across to other people and okay. hopefully that's the gap that i try to fill there okay so talk about filling a gap then mm. um you obviously decided there was a gap in the market for you to to, to exploit as, as setting the business up um what was the catalyst for you doing that because you class yourself as a freelancer mm-hmm. but i i would class you as more than that i think freelance oh. i would because i think freelance has a certain connotation nothing wrong with that whatsoever I think there's a there's an elevated professionalism about being different to a freelancer. I think right. you know I I would say from my experience and exposure to what you do, mm-hmm. it, there's an elevated sort of it's not it's not just a you know Katie in a back bedroom knocking a bit of content out. It, it feels a little bit more sort of uh, <laughs> feels a little bit more <laughs> polished if you like than that. Thank so you. so um so what was the reason for doing that? You know, in terms of setting the whole thing up, which is quite a risk setting the business up from yeah. Starting. Um, so it all started, I was working, um, so I've got a background, linguistics degree, and then I started out in magazines, very much sort of a journalism background. Um, and then as a postgrad, I did um, an NCTJ diploma, that's the National Council for the Training of Journalists. Mm-hmm. So anyone who works for sort of the nationals, they have to have a certain level of training within that. Right. So I did that as like a distance learning course while I was working at a digital marketing agency. Mm-hmm. So there, um, that was quite um you know, varied set of skills sort of SEO and PPC and every initialism you can think of and yeah. email marketing and all that sort of thing. Um, but my heart was in content. And um, so I was doing this on the side. And then once I got that qualification, hours spent trying to learn shorthand and all that sort of stuff. Wow, we still do that. Well, it, it there's well, a big debate about it on Twitter at the moment as to whether or not it's useful. And yeah. I would say it is, but I mean, God knows I... I can't even read my own handwriting. Let alone your shorthand handwriting. It's twice the difficulty there, isn't it? Yeah, um, but I thought, right, well, I've put all this effort into this. I need to do something with it. So Mm. I just sort of, I started um, doing a little bit on the side, just kind of reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Do you need a little bit of help? And I think my first client was a wedding photographer and I still work with him to this day. Wow. Lovely Moritz, if you're there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I started um, approaching agencies as well. Because I was working in agency myself, Mm. I realised actually there is this need because, you know, it depends on the size of your agency, but you might have... Um, quite a small content team and you never know when a huge project is just going to land in your lap Mm. and um, you might need to outsource outsource that content you never know um, you know you can't just put it all on one content person because I was that content person in the agency so you've got peaks troughs pressures all that yeah and and it could just be even like really boring stuff like let's say you're doing a huge website migration project Mm. and you've got to write a million meta descriptions for a million product pages or something like that nobody wants to do that so you outsource it so I like to think that I'm kind of the invisible arm of an agency if you do need me okay, actually, can we call upon her at mm. nine o'clock at night? Not nine o'clock, but you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the thing is that the in, in in days gone by, there used to be full service agencies that mm. were full service agencies. There's less and less of those, aren't there? Mm. Because, the, because of the advent of 
guess technology, freelance, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. A, a full service agency will purport to be a full service agency to their clients, sure. and they'll project manage a whole raft of, of freelance providers for anything as yeah. part of that. You know, whether it's graphic or you know a content delivery or video, or whatever it might be. So, so there's a, obviously a niche there. Do you work? extensively with agencies do you work with any clients what's your what's your balance of that um yeah it's it's grown a lot more into the agency side of things i do still work with some you know um small to medium sized enterprises like um for example i work for a um someone who does like a password um security management software mm -hmm. i write her newsletters for her and she also has, has like a um, project collaboration tool so i do sort of newsletters for her um i work for a luxury home technology supplier um oh. in cheshire they're called sona All right. they install like home cinemas and stuff like that oh so. wow footballer and stockbroker belt type oh thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh yeah. my goodness nice. yeah the homes are amazing for those who are listening internationally cheshire is the stockbroker belt of the northwest of england where mm. um a lot of the sort of footballers from the liverpool and manchester areas will live as well so uh, affluent would be the word we use to describe absolutely. that absolutely and these yeah. houses nick they're fabulous they are something else <laughs> fabulous okay um with content these days i think everyone's aware that video is very powerful lots of people are exploiting youtube uh our own sort of podcast uh, is is fed through youtube and into audio etc mm. um does language still play a part in in those kind of pieces of content, or is it just the visual impact? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I'm loath to say too many good things about video because I feel like it's going to put me out of a job. But no, uh, yeah, it's obviously rising in prominence a, a lot. Um, and yeah, in terms of language, I would say you do have to change it quite a lot because you know the written word is so different from the spoken word. Mm. You probably have <clears> to simplify your language a lot, and you probably have to think. Well, um, you know, a lot of people have subtitles. Um, so you don't want you know, huge million syllable words or whatever. So um, I think you need to be a lot more conversational, a lot more sort of vernacular. Um, yeah. Um, yeah um, not sure. <laughs> just just be a bit, bit just more yourself. I would say. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you so. work in. I just wondering if you work in that space at all. Mm. Is it more the written content and the like, the web content and the content for, yeah, for blogs and things? I have done a little <laughs> bit of script work again for the wedding photographer because mm. uh, English wasn't his first language, and um, because he does a lot of videography, so he asked me to write a script for him yes. just as sort of an introductory video to his oh, website. Okay. So again, it was quite weird, just sort of writing like "Feel free to get in touch" or whatever in a yeah. sort of conversational so, way. Yeah, sort of jaunty or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, listen, you mentioned it earlier, and we discussed it a number of times off air, the frustration at the poor use of grammar, mm -hmm. punctuation, spelling. You've got a real bee in your bonnet, as indeed I have, <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. So um, apart from kind of grammar, punctuation, spelling, which you still see, um, what else do you see that gets in the way of effective communication, particularly written communication? What are the things, what are the things that people just get wrong? Um I mean, I think in terms of punctuation, maybe some people use ex exclamation marks too often. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that completely dilutes the message. It doesn't make you look very serious. And I, I think when I was studying that journalism course, it said it's like laughing at your own joke. Oh. Um, so, which is obviously not a good thing. Um, so that's just a, a little mini bugbear there. But so, is the exclamation mark an older version of the smiley emoji then? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. It's like, hello, here I am. Come and take my goods whatever. and whatever. Yeah. Buy my wares. <laughs> Buy my goods, do whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm also, I'm just uh, sick of the sight of just regurgitated, regurgitated content, just seeing the same sort of like 
cliches just spouted all over LinkedIn. Um, There's lots of people, as you say. Motivational <clears throat> quotes drive oh. me crazy. I don't want to do this to my audience who may be working in inverted commas motivational speaker land. Yeah, but sure. No, yeah. It's not your job to decide if you're motivational anyway. The mm-hmm. audience or the listener will decide if you're motivational. Yeah, it's the same yeah. with motivational quotes. They only motivate people if you want to be motivated by them. So to call them motivational quotes is, I think it's quite arrogant really. And, and yeah. the world's full of them. It's littered with them, isn't it? And I think there's nothing individual about them. You've seen them a million times in a, in a meme or whatever format. Mm. Journey of a thousand miles. Take the single step. Great. Ooh. What's did, that? did you come up with that? Yeah. And, and also, how's that going to help me tomorrow to sell more eggs or yeah, whatever it might exactly. be? Yeah, exactly. So I would rather people were just um, you know, individual and just actually said they were thinking rather mm. than just trying to regurgitate something that somebody else has already said. There's a lot of stuff around these days about values, and I think one of those is authenticity, isn't it? Really, absolutely, yeah, yeah really, really. So important. how do you help? How do you help an organisation or a company or even a, a small business owner find that tone of voice and authenticity? Then you know because. A lot of people do feel that they have to follow this kind of well-trodden path, don't they? Mm. You know, well, everybody else is doing it, so I do it. How do you help someone to find authenticity in that kind of uh, written side of things? I think it's, you know, it's, it's obviously easy for me to say, well, find their USP or whatever, but um, a lot of businesses I'm working with now um, are very much focusing on sort of their local aspect um you know we we are yorkshire morning brand or whatever yeah yeah sorry i'm from the south in case yeah, <laughs> that, was the, that was the worst attempt at the yorkshire accent i've ever heard was that was that more mancunian or yeah, something really. i don't know it wasn't I'm even sorry. it wasn't even northern to be fair but, um, well, from good Surrey, i apologize good effort <laughs> yeah um so you know there's a, that kind of like uh, local toned things or something that makes unique you unique like if you have some inspiring story that made mm. you go into um your line of work mm. um I like a backstory, I must yeah, admit. Yeah, definitely. You know, I call it the business provenance, really. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Which I started off by asking you how you got into your business. Mm-hmm. And that's much more interesting in some respects than just regurgitating, you know, that I, I, I run a, a content business that helps with the written word. Well, yeah, that's the output. Yeah. But actually, what's the story? What how What's driven you to set this up? Yeah. So that authenticity is really important, I think. People have such incredible stories to tell as well. Mm. You know, they've gone through their trials and tribulations or whatever and got to where they are mm. today. Um, there are not many good storytellers out there, though, are there, to be fair? No, yeah, I think that, mm. that's the problem. That's why you need somebody to tell your story for you. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back to grammar, punctuation and spelling. And okay. at, at the risk of me sounding like a particularly old fart um (laughs) is the advent of text and emoji and other sort of shortened forms is that killing off our capacity to create sort of well-written well-constructed content there are two sort of schools of thought on this i would say there are those who'd say oh no you're being far too prescriptive you need to be open to um language evolution it's not um a decline it's yeah, yeah. it's an evolution you know right. this is a new language i mean you see things like the word selfie entering the dictionary and stuff like that yeah. so um yeah you could be old school and sort of say no absolutely not this is this is killing the english language or mm. you can have a more open-minded approach um i wouldn't say it's killing it i just think um particularly with sort of generation Z or whatever we need to teach people okay there is a time and place for emojis and text speak mm. or whatever however you still need to have those fundamental skills to get into the workplace or whatever and understand the basic principles of spelling and grammar because those are what are going to matter well like you say you've got to cra- you've got to craft a piece of content it's got to mm. it's also got to look right you know so even, yeah. even, even, even sentence construction and 
and and where to put paragraphs and when, yeah. when to use bullets and and yeah. the visual impact of the written word is that something you work with you know in terms of of helping people to understand that side of things just how you mean like how it how looks it visually on, looks on paper and the construction yeah, the construction uh, of a, a a blog or a, um you know a white paper or mm. a piece of content it also has to look appealing to make people to read it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does make a difference. <clears throat> I was reading a really interesting article the other day about actually how much design um, does have bearing on sort of how people process the text. And I think it was something called like the F shape, whereby like, All right. on, like it's, when you write a sentence, it needs to be sort of a long sentence first and then maybe like a bullet point and then a shorter one to sort of um, with F or an E or something like that. And yeah. that's it was sort of describing how the eye kind of focuses and... Um, where we can drop off our attention mm. drop off so you need to sort of vary a little bit so um, there's a lot of science to it um, okay. and you know also for sort of SEO considerations as well okay are you putting in your, your headings your H2s your H3s and bullet points and stuff like that and mm. things like mobile considerations as well um, I was going to say you've got to look at you've got to look at sentence construction and layout for yeah. different devices haven't you yeah what, absolutely what, I reckon 90% of, of content is being absorbed on mobile devices these days mm. so yeah. if it's not mobile fit it's not fit at all is it yeah and, and people don't have attention spans so mm. um, you know don't get me on <laughs> we'll be here all day do, won't we do not get me on my old fart rant about attention spans oh, but anyway no, no, never no, mind. I get it I never get mind. it no, I know hey listen um, I know I, I like evolution and I think there's when you look at the Oxford English Dictionary every year they announce the sort of word of the of the, mm. the last year and they announce which new words have come in and things like you know selfies etc. Yeah. yeah, that is an evolution. It's just how you use them and construct them into interesting content that's more yeah. important for me, I think, as a potential reader. But then you know I'm getting older, I'm not getting any younger, and the younger generation probably don't have the attention span to read longer documents and longer you know longer pieces of content really. Yeah, and you might find that their attention span is actually a lot longer if it's in print. Mm. Um, and it is on a screen, you know, you'll get um, eye strain or whatever. So it, it, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. I would like to ask our audience, how many of you print out your emails to read them? Now, those mm. of a certain generation will be smiling and admitting to themselves that they do that occasionally, okay? It's just a question, a rhetorical question for the audience, because if you're reading it on an email <laughs> rather than reading it on a screen... You get a different response. Anyway, that's all. I just throw. Don't, what, don't throw. they say on the bottom of an email that you shouldn't print it? Exactly. Think well, listen, we're going to have a lot of we're going to have a lot of uh, the environmental lobby <laughs> probably kicking off about it. But uh, <laughs> sometimes you have to do what you have to do. So okay. Yeah. So I'm interested in tips for our our listeners. Sure. Um, so regarding the creation of a particularly well crafted or interesting piece of content, so a blog particularly, or mm-hmm. you know, like I say, white paper. Yeah. Um, or if they're not particularly skilled or natural at crafting that, how can they still be effective at creating some content? If, if you know, maybe English isn't their natural first language, or maybe they're just not particularly educated to a you know degree standard in in English uh, language or mm-hmm. literature, they're not particularly that well well versed and well read. Sure, can people still craft good content? And what if so? What do they need to be following? We'll call Katie Linger. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, I think there are a lot of ways you can approach it. First of all, um, when you proofread everything, never ever publish anything if you haven't read through it. Even if it's an email, I'll read it three times before yes. I send it because mm-hmm. the fear of getting something wrong is too yes. much. Um, but also um, read it aloud. Print it off again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, trees. Um, print it off. Read it aloud. Actually, listen to how it sounds because it can sound so different from how it looks on the page. Um, Actually, that's. That's a really, I've never thought of that. Mm. Yeah, reading aloud, it, it, 
It does give it a different resonance, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you could use like a, a machine to read it for you, but mm. it, there is no intonation in that or anything, so it's not quite the same. Um, but yeah, l- listen to it because you might find, oh, actually, that's a really, really run-on sentence and I've completely lost my thread here. Mm. Um, another thing I use, um, it's an app called Hemingway Editor. Uh, right. It's really lovely. You just paste a big wall of text into there and it sort of gives you a score uh, and the lower the score um, the better it is um, so it rates you on things like it doesn't like um, the passive voice it doesn't like adverbs for some reason which I, I kind of get because it says you need to use a stronger verb rather than an adverb yeah to run quickly no to sprint or you know stuff yeah, like yeah. that okay um, it says if you've got a bit of a run on sentence or it gives you um, a simpler word to use in you know, place of um, say but rather than however or stuff yeah, yeah. like that oh, okay. um, so that's really nice to you so yeah you want to get a nice low score on that um, and another thing is to get somebody else to read it as well um, somebody who protect, perhaps um, is not in your niche who you know has no idea let's see if you've actually put it into layman's terms if they can understand it then great and you know if they're completely impartial then even better mm. um, so, what was yeah. that app called the Hemingway app the Hemingway app well yeah I mean I just use it on the browser but you just type in HemingwayApp.com just right. paste in anything on there and if it all comes up in red or yellow you know you've done it wrong Right. So. You're looking for lots of greens, presumably. Is green the, is green the colour for go, is it? Uh, oh, no, green might be for adverbs. Basically, you don't want it to highlight anything. If yeah. it hasn't highlighted anything, happy days. Excellent. <laughs> okay, that's a good little tip, actually. Yeah. I use a, I use a mobile dictation app, um, mm-hmm. not surprisingly, called Dictation. Right. And Because um, I can talk quicker than I can type. And mm-hmm. I've now practised quite extensively for quite a lot of emails. I just talk into the app. Yeah. You just press send, you send it to yourself and mm-hmm. it comes through as an email. You just copy and paste it into the body of an email. Um, it's getting better and quicker, mm-hmm. but you still have a, you have a habit when you're talking and then you see it written down, you go, didn't really mean that. It, yeah. picks, up, it picks up your voice, it picks up your tone and it, it, it's pretty accurate when it mm. translates over. Occasionally, if you forget to send until later on in the day, it puts a, an odd word you think, what the hell was I trying to say there? I can't remember because it's, it's interpreted what you've said in a, in a, it's a really good way of doing it, but it's mm. also getting practice in terms of how do you dictate? And so you've got to say new paragraph rather than, if you say paragraph, it just puts the word paragraph in <laughs> okay. and you get a, little, a whole wall of text, but little things. But right. I think there's ways that businesses can be efficient and effective, but it's still yeah. going to read, read properly yeah, yeah. and look well. I'm not a big fan of the spell check. I leave it on, but I think spell check again, is dangerous because it doesn't have the context of there, no, there, and exactly. there. Does yeah. it spell correctly? But it's out of context. Yeah, so yeah. proofreading still the uh, the art that you need to go through. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, how many businesses you work with? Um, do they have a a written content strategy? You know, it. We often have. We have a strategy for marketing. We have a strategy for sales development. We have a strategy for leadership. We have a strategy for this. Mm-hmm. Do people overlook a strategy for written content, or is that something that's becoming more and more kind of uh, prevalent? Um, I think yeah, you can do just because, like any strategy, it takes a lot of time and effort um, to put it together. But um, I think it's still very important. But I think you, with written content, you need to be um, you need to adapt to change because you never know if something you know a huge breaking news story or something is going to come along and completely screw up your february content or whatever um i was doing a piece for an agency in london um and it was about sort of planning your content strategy and they sort of look at it as i think it's pillars and topics so the pillar being digital marketing and the topic being seo or ppc and then Mm. um sort of categorizing your content in that way um 
and then sort of leaving space for something topical for some some sort of reaction piece right and also having more sort of evergreen content that might just sort of answer users questions i mean and again well, like a, a top tips kind of section yeah yeah like basically yeah. you know that's what google wants it wants relevant content that's mm. uh, satisfying the user query basically so i think if you've got a nice mixture of topical and evergreen content you can plan x number of months mm. in advance um and also sort of tie that in with your social media and how you're distributing that on any sort of third-party sites linkedin pulse etc i do like the idea of having those little gaps for reactive pieces though yeah. because things happen that mm. you should be commenting on or yeah. or leading the field on or being a thought leader on absolutely um and if you don't have those gaps in your content strategy you miss the opportunity i guess don't you yeah definitely or you might have something scheduled and that's completely changed by the mm. time that it rolls around you think, oh you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be a political writer would you because <laughs> you know, Ultimately, certainly in the UK, every every day, every day things change. It's a little bit more settled since the uh, sort of whole Brexit scenario mm. has been sorted. But you know, for, for about three years, if you if you couldn't you couldn't possibly have a content strategy because you didn't know what was happening in the next half hour, did you? Let alone no. what's happening in the next three months, yeah. for example. So, Gosh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, and it does depend on the industry as well. Um, I went to search leads back in June last year, mm. and one thing they said is, okay, it's, it's easy to say, well, we should pay, post two or three blogs per month but it depends on the pace of your industry how mm. often it changes you might need to be churning out loads of content or it might be something like dentistry where i assume that doesn't change that often. i was gonna say there, there'll be some <laughs> new developments but the, the yeah I, i'm assuming the pace of change is slightly less yeah. than, than it would be in say artificial intelligence or mm-hmm. which is evolving on a day-to-day basis exactly. isn't it really okay. yeah, yeah so would you advocate a written content strategy for businesses who, who would want to take their content seriously then Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. definitely. And like I say, just be open to change because you never know what's coming around the corner. I'd be interested to understand how many of the listeners for the podcast have got an actual written content strategy because I, mm. I work with dozens of businesses over each year and I, I, I can't say I've ever come across something that's quite specific to that. And I, right, you know, hopefully okay. this will get inspire them to, to think about it more than just throwing it, lumping it into marketing, really. You know, yeah. you've got a marketing strategy, boom, lump it in there. It has yeah. to be a bit different to that because mm-hmm. you're creating content on a on a blog, on a social media, on whatever yeah. it might be. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about blogging. I, I've, I've, I've got a little question. Blogging was as common as sun-dried tomatoes or pulled pork. <laughs> I put in my question piece, really. Okay. It basically, but it, it appears to have gone out of fashion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, blogging was everywhere. You know, five, six years ago, you have to have a blog. Mm-hmm. And there was all the challenges people had about, you know, well, I've started a blog, but then it's just withered on the vine, literally. Yeah. Um, what's the sort of process in terms of blogging? Is it still relevant? Is it still something that people should be doing and building into their content strategy? Well, I still love a sun dried tomato. Um, okay. But- <laughs> I like a bit of pulled pork, Katie, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Vegans might be listening. So no, listen, you know what? If vegans don't like pulled pork, that's okay. They can have the sun dried tomatoes. But oh no, but they have that jackfruit stuff that tastes just like it. I'll tell you what. No, no, no. Don't knock it till you've what? tried it. Yeah, okay, well, let's let's let's. <laughs> we, we could we could go off we on a massive about, tangent I'm here. Sorry, yeah, I veganism, could talk about food all veganism. day. I apologise. Exactly. Um, yeah. So blogging. blogging. Back to blogging. Yeah, um, I think. I agree with you and I disagree with you because um, I think the trouble is it's become so easy to do now. My mom could probably set up a WordPress blog right. if she could turn on a computer. Right. Um, you know, so as a result, it's probably become quite oversaturated. And it depends what, what you mean by, by blog. You know, there are people who are just strictly bloggers. Mm. Um, like, you know, travel or fitness might be very oversaturated. Or there are people who just uh, run a particular business and just have a blog. 
um, a sort of a side project. Would that uh, be like a, a daily activity, sort of a day a diary kind of blog? A lot of people do those. Well, of yeah, and stuff. yeah. No, I think that's kind of how blogs sort of rose to prominence in the first place, and then actually people realise, oh no, actually I need it for SEO. I need to be telling Google that I'm putting out fresh content. But now the requirements are changing a lot more. Um, it's a lot more about um, expertise, authority, and trust. Um, mm. So actually positioning yourself. Um, as an expert so I think it's not so much that the blog itself has gone out of fashion it was just we need to be a bit more creative with it um, mm. I think the whole kind of listicle thing is probably on its way out as much as that's great for um, short attention spans yeah. um, I think 10 things to see in Paris or 10 ways to look after your car in winter or whatever. you know I yeah, don't yeah. think you're going to compete to get to the top anymore unless no. it's something really niche or something new like how to drive my electric car, or, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what, what were those three things? You said authority, um, expertise, I think, authority, and trust. So it starts with expertise, yeah, and that's about demonstrating that you are, because the world's full of experts. But then when you <laughs> that's meet, the problem. yeah, when you Ninjas. meet them and you talk to them, <laughs> you sort of wondering where they've got that credential from, aren't you? Really, yeah. But, Authority comes, I guess, from the fact that your content is seen as relevant. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was the third one? Trust. Trust, okay. And, and that's about building a, a back catalogue of followers and people who yeah. are prepared to share and, and believe in, in what you're sort of Yeah, uh, and, and from an SEO perspective, so. yeah, if you have links from um, a relevant sort of industry body or whatever, mm. then Google can see actually, yeah, you, you are the real deal sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah, in terms of blogging, I think... We just need to be a little bit more um, creative with how we're doing things, not just putting out the same content that everybody's doing. Mm. I mean, for example, it, travel, let's say, is quite oversaturated, but there's someone I follow on Twitter who is a plus-size travel blogger, which is a kind of interesting angle to oh, approach okay. it. Okay, what are um, what are the barriers to you for whatever reason? What you know, Have you felt judged or whatever in, in, when yeah, you've gone on this travel? Different countries or, whatever? or different yeah. locations or yeah. sites or whatever. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And also I think um, there's a lot more onus on sort of distribution as well. Um, mm. You know, you could be repurposing it for LinkedIn or whatever and, you know, creating a bit more of a discussion and getting mm. a bit more engagement. So it's not just boom, put a bit of content out and, and hope, you know, build it and they will come. It's just, it, you know, it's, um, it's about generating a conversation, I would say. Do people try and repurpose the same content for different platforms and don't change it then is that quite common and it doesn't work yeah it can be i mean you see it quite often with like social media scheduling um it's very easy to do something like hootsuite and go boom okay tweet facebook linkedin boom send it out um which is fair enough if you haven't got time or whatever but actually um people react in very different ways um i'll I'll give you an example i wrote an article on linkedin pulse back Mm. in november it blew up uh 120,000 people uh liked it or commented or whatever um I don't know why it was just a bit of a rant but thanks um um but then I pasted it again onto medium probably about three people um so you know for whatever reason um people engage with um content in different ways depending on the medium so I think you need to be really wary of that when you're putting that out there well I I like to think I post interesting or relevant content mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. It's probably the biggest platform I yeah. use for my business sort of yeah. uh, uh, pieces, really. Yeah. And yet, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a workshop in the centre of Leeds mm-hmm. uh, on the sixth floor. Okay. And uh, just about to start the workshop, and a guy dropped down on a gantry um, mm-hmm. on a harness, started washing the windows on mm-hmm. the sixth floor. Sunny day, yeah. overlooking Leeds, and I just took a picture of it, and I posted, what's a workshop host got to do? 
you know, how do you compete with that? <laughs> and I just put a little piece on there. This is great. You know, wouldn't want his job. He was a bit of a celebrity for. He was waving to the to the workshop. It was yeah. just a little bit of a, a bit of a sort of funny observation. Yeah, thing. sure, sure. That got more views than anything I posted mm-hmm. in 2019. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> really. <laughs> Really, it's just about a guy on a on a harness washing the windows. So there really isn't any logic or rhyme or reason to it, is there? Yeah, I think perhaps with the LinkedIn, it's people are sick of all the stuffy content, and again, those motivational quotes <laughs> and stuff like that, and seeing like Oleg and Gary V and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at the parody accounts, look at Mike uh, Winnie and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. They're all ripping out Bridget yeah. and stuff like that. So actually, it's nice, like we say, the authenticity to just put something out there that's a bit of a giggle mm-hmm. and actually shows you for who you are. Well, it, it, it was an observation. On something, yeah. you know, he's basically saying, you know, wouldn't want his job, and uh, you know, how, how do I compete with that? I'm about yeah. to start a workshop, and then suddenly at the back, just to, to the right hand side of me, unbeknown to me, this guy drops down in the harness, and the, the workshop is gone. You know, I had to wait for him to wash the windows, and, and he said, Okay, I just posted it. And I thought, Oh, so just I thought because I, I had a nice photograph, I thought, I'll, put, yeah. I'll write a little piece to go with that. Yeah. Astonishing numbers, really. Anyway, yeah, okay. it just goes to show you never know what could uh, be yeah, a hit. It is. <laughs> Now, I know that you're, despite the fact that I, I would say that you're sort of a bigger version than this, you're quite a proud freelancer, aren't you? Thank you, I yes. think you, you, you sort of champion the bit on LinkedIn. I've seen you know, championing freelancers and, mm-hmm. and, and being paid properly and on time and being treated you know, accordingly. So I, I really love Grr. that. Yeah. Um, what advice would you offer other freelancers out there, uh, not about written content, but just about being a freelancer in business? And what have you learned from that process? Okay, a few things. First of all, um, well done to you all because it really takes some stones to actually um, leave your job and never know where your next meal's coming from or whatever. So and, and back yourself. Yeah, definitely. And you've got to think it's not just the service you're providing. You've got to be your own accountant, your own BDM, your own marketer. Yeah. Um, so you've got to wear so many different hats. So well done for going out there um, and you know going it alone. Um, but I would say confidence is a huge issue. Um, I've been to so many events where I see people who've been running their own business for about 10 years and they go, well, no, I'll just turn the work down if they if they want to, um, you know, negotiate on price. I'll just say no. or just no, tell them where to go. And I think it's very well for you, it's all very well for you to say that because you've in. been doing it for 10 years. But my goodness, when I was starting out or when I would pitch to people, I'd say, oh, well, I'll charge this, but, but I can go lower if you want. And, you know, and how do you build up that confidence mm-hmm. to say, no, actually, uh, no, this is what I'm worth. Yeah. And this is what I'm charging. And no, because you don't want to turn people away, especially when you're starting out. So, well, you've got bills to pay, haven't you? The yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, if that's a sacrifice you have to make in the beginning, don't be ashamed. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in the industry, you know, rate shaming, like, oh my God, I can't believe you're charging such a low rate. But mm. people say, well, you don't know what this person's circumstances are. They could yeah. be a single parent or anything. So don't rate shame. Um, mm. And then, as you kind of grow and become more established, you will build that confidence. That will come naturally. You'll have a portfolio of work and that will kind of help you conduct yourself when you're meeting new people. Um, and what else? Oh, I've lost my thread now. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to yeah. add to that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm recording a piece uh, shortly, which will go out in mm. the next week or two. Yeah. Uh, it, it is about that kind of um, charge what you're worth mm-hmm. uh, piece. And it, I, I talk about... Um, it's a triangle, really. One is that uh, creating value for your clients. Yes, that's brilliant. That should always be the end game. Yeah, yeah. Creating value for yourself. Yeah. And then having the, the confidence about the rate shame piece. Yeah. To say that um, psychologically, rate shame has a, a negative impact on you as Absolutely. a freelancer as yeah. well. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm putting a piece together which is just looking at the three strands of that triangle mm-hmm. and saying, you know, how do you 
maximize that and keep it as an equilateral triangle so all yes. pieces work together yeah so um but i know you're massively passionate about you're know, working with supporting and championing other freelancers absolutely so, yeah, yeah. yeah so there's a really lovely community out there when i first started out i had no idea that actually what hey there are so many freelancers in britain mm-hmm. um and b actually how much people are you know they're rooting for you they're all on twitter whatever there's so many hashtags and groups and things you can follow which is really lovely even though they might technically be your competitors they're actually they've got your back no no Um, one no one's competing with everybody all the time collaboration or just just share or just just being available to somebody's a good thing yeah yeah and that's another thing i would say um is go out and meet people my goodness like it's so easy for me to sit at home in my pants writing my content or whatever but actually going out and meeting people you know it can be quite isolating if you're working from home so going out and making those human connections really makes all the difference quick question yeah just to finish with a bit of fun okay do you write better content in your gym jams or in your business clothes oh gosh one of the tips someone did give me was no you need to get up every day and get dressed and have a shower oh, i can't be bothered Nick. what's the point if unless i'm on a skype call okay yeah. um no i'm probably in my gym gear i'm active work most of the time yeah. um because I think, well, this is my reward. I get to go to the gym. I've yeah. got to finish this. Okay. So do I write better content? Um, it was only a flippant question. Yeah, I guess, well, no, yeah. pro- probably actually in, in my relaxed wear because I feel more relaxed. I'm yeah. not going to And, and your, your, bra- your brain is not, you know, you're relaxed and creative rather than sort of too uptight, I guess, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We can discuss and debate. There's people around the, there's people around the globe sat there in their sort of uh, uh, homes, you know, sat there in the, in the, the pants and vest, right? <laughs> creating some great stuff so yeah, you know, like good say, on you. as long as there's no video in the corner we're okay you do you katie that's flown by that's <laughs> been absolutely fantastic quite Thank a few you. gems in there for people to think about in terms of content strategy and, and and you know what how they need to create their blog content and also you know maximize that exposure that content across different platforms so thank you for sharing it's been an absolute pleasure it's been too long but it won't be too long again so katie thanks for coming on the impact sessions thank you very much